When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Good morning, Birdland. Today, September the 27th, 2023, is a sad one for Orioles fans, as I'm sure you've already heard that the greatest third baseman to ever play baseball and one of the greatest people to ever live, Brooks Robinson, passed away on Tuesday at the age of 86. The team announced his death about an hour before the game on Tuesday. People's tributes to Brooks have been pouring in over all sorts of media, social media, legacy media, just all over the place. Maybe you have a Brooks Robinson story yourself over the long decade since his debut with the team all the way back in 1955. People have run into him all over the place, sometimes at public appearances like at a car dealership or even some kind of bargain outlet or sometimes just randomly around town. And there's just never been a story about Brooks that was not about how He is the nicest guy in the entire world. My own Brooks story is not much of a Brooks story compared to people who actually got to meet him, but it is the one that I've got on the day that the Orioles were unveiling the Brooks Robinson statue back in 2012. My co-host from a previous incarnation of this podcast, Andrew Gibson, and I were standing around outside Camden Yards right near the bullpen picnic area in an empty space between what was a mob of people going from the garages and Camden uh, Convention Center light rail stop to the Utah Street Gate and a different mob of people going to a Camden Street Gate after visiting the Pickles Pub vicinity. We were just kind of looking in towards the stadium, and then we heard something honk at us, and we looked up, and it was a golf cart being ridden by Brooks Robinson. He waved on the way past and said, Go O's! We were absolutely flabbergasted. That was Brooks Robinson, and he talked to us. 
There was no one right at that spot except for us, Brooks, and his golf cart driver. That was a fun little moment, and it was all entirely ours. That was my Brooks story. If you're anywhere close to my age, you probably grew up hearing about Brooks from your dad. Brooks's Orioles career goes back so far that even my dad, who hit his Social Security age last year, was not born when Brooks debuted for the Baltimore Orioles. And his career had been over for so long before I was even born that he was inducted into the Hall of Fame earlier the same year I entered this earth. And by the way, if you can believe it, there were 30 idiots out of 374 voters of the uh, BBWAA that year who did not vote for Brooks Robinson to go in the Hall of Fame. Shame on every one of them. But anyway, my dad was certainly alive and paying attention as Brooks started racking up the plaudits of his career, the 16 gold gloves, the 18 all-star teams, the MVP award in 1964, and three other times finishing in the top three. Dad was watching the play everyone knows from the 1970 World Series. And really, if there's one thing I wish I could go back and see from the glory days of the Orioles, it would be Brooks Robinson doing his thing on defense. But I will just have to settle for my dad's stories about Brooks. And, you know, I really always thought that the best tribute to Brooks is the fact that he somehow, everyone in Birdland is on a first-name basis with him. Anyone who ever talks about him, he was just Brooks, whether you ever met him or not. And you really cannot say that about too many people in the world. And somehow, that's just how it was. Everyone in the world of Orioles fans is just so friendly about, and and anyone, you know, has always heard the stories of Brooks being so nice. We're just all on first base, uh, first-name basis with him, whether we'd ever met him or not. And now we all have to get used to thinking about him in the past tense. On the radio, driving back from last night's game, uh, Melanie Newman shared this fact on the radio postgame show that she had read from ESPN's stat master baseball writer, Tim Kirkchin. Brooks Robinson holds the all-time record for driving in the lone run of a one-to-nothing game, which Robinson did 10 times in his career. And the Orioles, hours after the news of Brooks's passing, played a one-to-nothing game. Of course, they won against the Nationals. The lone run in the game was Gunnar Henderson's leadoff home run as the Orioles went on to win one-to-nothing. Gunnar, of course, wears the number two, which when you flip it over, looks a lot like Brooks's number five. There are nights where you can feel like the baseball gods are real, and they put a thumb on the scales. So, a belated hello. I am Mark Brown. If my voice is a little bit ragged in this episode, it's because I screamed really loud when Gunner attempted a steal of home plate in the eighth inning last night. It didn't work out for Gunner, but it was still fun. And since Yenier Cano came on to strike out the three batters he faced for an easy save, it didn't hurt anything that the steal did not work. And the Orioles, in finishing off that victory, improved to 98-59 and on the 2023 season. They have tied the 1997 Orioles for best record in the Oriole Park at Camden Yards era, and they've still got five more games to play. The not-swept streak is extended to 90 series, dating back to one series before the debut of Adley Rutschman last year. So the magic number for the Orioles after that Tuesday win to clinch the American League East stands at two because the Orioles received no help from the Boston Red Sox on Tuesday night. They lost 9-7. to The Red Sox did battle back from a 7 to nothing deficit to start to make it 
close and interesting, but they were ultimately unable to fully complete the comeback. So hopefully the Red Sox can do better on Wednesday. But as far as the Orioles were concerned, despite not very much happening for the offense, since the only run they scored was Gunnar Henderson's leadoff home run, it was a fun game. Starting pitcher Kyle Bradish was dominant again, putting together an eight-inning start in which he allowed just three hits and two walks. And a noteworthy thing about that start from Bradish is that he lowered his ERA for the season to 2.86. And if Bradish ends the season with an ERA below three, he would become the first Orioles pitcher since Mike Mussina in 1992 to throw 150 or more innings and have an ERA below three. After the game, manager Brandon Hyde told Orioles reporters that Bradish's transformation in the second half of last year reminded him of what he saw happen to Jake Arietta in 2014 with the Cubs. Arietta, of course, much to our chagrin, won the Cy Young the next year as part of a three-year stretch that saw him post a 2.42 ERA across 89 games started. We can all hope to see something like that from Bradish. You know, he's one-third of the way towards something close to as good. Bradish, of course, is not going to win that Cy Young this year, but he's deserving of a place, I would say, as high as third on ballots. And if he finished in third place for the award overall, that would be completely deserving for him. And I think that's pretty darn cool. It has been quite some time since the Orioles have had a starting pitcher who was worth anything like that. And, I mean, whatever whatever postseason series the Orioles end up making, if they can have Bradish as the Game 1 starter, I think that's going to feel pretty good going into that series for Orioles fans. It is possible for the Orioles to clinch here tonight if they beat the Nationals and the Red Sox beat the Rays. Obviously, that would be amazing. The Rays game against the Red Sox is scheduled to begin at 6:10, while the Orioles have the 6:35 start. So there is going to be a night of some side-by-side scoreboard watching. Pitching for the Rays in their game on Wednesday night is Tyler Glasnow. He's got a 3.68 ERA on the season, but just recently gave up six runs in four innings to the Orioles. So hopefully the Red Sox can do some of that to him. The Red Sox will have Brian Bayo on the mound. Bayo was bombed by the Rangers for eight runs in three innings on his last time out. I hope he does better tonight. And then, of course, I hope the Red Sox go back into the tank for the last four games, since the Orioles will be playing them starting on Thursday. But as for the Orioles trying to hold up their half of the clinch scenario for Wednesday night, they will be turning to Grayson Rodriguez. It was a bit of a frustrating game for him against the Guardians last time around. Seven strikeouts in five innings, but he did allow a whole lot of foul balls that ultimately contributed to his having only a five-inning outing. And I think there's the potential to be like that again against the Nationals. They have the second fewest strikeouts in MLB after the Cleveland Guardians. So again, that could make them also a tough matchup. They've only struck out, I believe, seven more times than the Guardians across the entire season. And it's a gap of nearly 100 from the Nationals to the team with the third fewest strikeouts in all of baseball. As a benefit for the Orioles, though, the bullpen, at least, is much more rested now. So even if Rodriguez is only able to go five innings again, it's not going to be as much of a uh, potential drain on that unit. Thanks to, of course, Bradish's eight innings on Tuesday, the Monday off day, and Kyle Gibson and John Means in the weekend before that. 
Orioles batters will be going up against national starter Patrick Corbin. Corbin has really stunk for four years running. He brings a 5.13 ERA into this game. That's actually his best ERA over the last three seasons, but still pretty darn bad. The Orioles have recently turned in some clunkers against bad pitchers, uh, especially in the Cardinals series a couple weeks ago. And the offense, while they only scored one run while winning on Tuesday, that is not too frustrating. The national starter, Josiah Gray, was their best starter, uh, is their best starter this season. He is a pitching prospect who, well, not a prospect anymore, but when he was a prospect, he had a lot of hype and there was, um, you know, people had been waiting for him to put it together. Orioles fans are certainly familiar with that. So, you know, there, there's worse guys to um, only get one run against. But the Orioles, they're probably going to need more than one run to win tonight. Although it is worth noting, the Washington Nationals have yet to score in three games in against the Orioles in 2023. I'm not counting on that going to a fourth game. So, again, Orioles offense, please uh, go ahead and just pile it on against Patrick Corbin and uh, send his 5-plus ERA even higher. I will be right back after a message from a Fans First Sports Network sponsor. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
And, you know, I think what's so exciting about the Orioles this year is that it really does just feel like the beginning of an era of success. We've been getting almost daily fun stories from the farm. Although if you look at the lone game that they played on Tuesday where the Tides were beaten 10 to 5 in the first game of the interle- an International League Championship Series, that's not as fun. But, you know, as far as the regular season, they were all there were so many great stories from the prospects. And I think those have been summed up by assorted awards that have been handed out by the minor leagues and by some prospect-focused publications after the season. Just within the last few days, Jackson Holiday was named the Minor League Player of the Year by Baseball America, following Gunnar Henderson after Henderson won that award last year. And that's a pretty serious award to win because Baseball America has actually had a pretty darn uh, good record in naming Minor League Players of the Year some of their past winners, as Baseball America's J.J. Cooper highlighted on Twitter, include Mike Trout, Frank Thomas, Andrew Jones, Joe Maurer, and Ronald Acuna Jr. So these guys, you know, if you win the minor league player of the year, it's not a 100% success rate, but uh, you're, 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 you're on a pretty good path towards a good major league career based on history. And Holiday, he's still got uh, maybe two more games of the AAA playoffs, but his regular season across four levels combined batting line. He had a 323 batting average, 442 on-base percentage, 499 slugging percentage. He is still just 19 years old, and people talking about how maybe the Orioles should call him up this year, they're not entirely crazy based on how quick he seems to adjust to levels. Opening day 2024 feels like it absolutely has to be in the picture. And of course, Holiday was not even the only good story. The Orioles had two other prospects that were named as the most valuable player of leagues that they played in this year. The Carolina League low A level MVP was catching prospect Samuel Basayo. He's eight months younger than even Holiday is, and he posted an 887 OPS while hitting 12 homers in 83 games for the Delmarva Shorebirds this season before getting promoted to Aberdeen at high A, and then even by season's end to double A Bowie. This is his age 18 season. Also MVP of his league, Kobe Mayo for the Eastern League. That's the double A level. Mayo had a 1.026 OPS in his 78 games for the Bowie Bay Sox. And he then went on to have a 907, or 905 OPS with triple A Norfolk, 29 home runs overall between the two levels. And if you really want to hear something I think is crazy about Mayo's double uh, A performance, he led the Eastern League with 30 doubles, despite not playing a game there after July the 9th. So, you know, the, the prospect stories, they just keep being amazing. We can hope that these guys being added to what the Orioles have already is going to result in just some amazing stuff over the next few years. But for now, there's certainly plenty to be excited about for whatever's to come in 2023. A dip into the mailbag before we wrap up. This question comes in from listener Ben with some thoughts and a question about Brandon Hyde's record as Orioles manager. Ben asks, how likely do you think it is that Brandon Hyde finishes his Orioles tenure with a winning record? He's currently 79 games under 500, and Ben also notes that if the Orioles average around 90 wins per year, that could be overcome in a little more than four years. It seems like he has a decent chance of sticking around Pretty remarkable given that he was 122 games under 500 prior to the 2022 season. Ben, thank you for writing in. 
I would say the biggest problem for Hyde is that getting a 100-plus loss season digs you a really big hole, and Hyde has two of those. For a demonstration of how much a 100-plus loss season hurts, really look no further than Hyde's predecessor, Buck Showalter. Prior to the 2018 season, Buck was 622 and 569 as Orioles manager. That is 53 games above 500. I think even if you were pessimistic about the 2018 Orioles, it was unthinkable that Buck might fall below 500 in his tenure as Orioles manager. And then wham, the 47 and 115 really took that on the chin and ultimately finished with 15 games below 500. Once you are that bad, that cancels out a lot of good and even very good. So you know, for Hyde, as Ben noted, he was 122 games under 500 prior to 2022. That was because of the 54 and 108 in 2019, 52 and 110 in 2021, and just for kicks, an extra 10 games below 500 for the Orioles going 25 and 35 in the 2020 shortened season. It is a lot of ground to overcome. Even a 162 finish to this season would leave Hyde at 80 games below 500, the same as he was going into Tuesday's game. To get above 500 with that deficit, you got to average over 91 wins for four seasons more, and then have a fifth above 500 season to seal it. At the end of this, Brandon Hyde would have been the Orioles manager for 10 seasons. The only other person to ever manage 10 or more seasons for the Baltimore Orioles is, of course, Earl Weaver, who managed across 17 different seasons. Even Buck Showalter only had nine. The Orioles have shown a lot of loyalty to Hyde in keeping him these five years and keeping him through after the rebuild, as we talked about on this podcast recently. But I feel the odds of showing him loyalty for five more are small. Uh, Right now, there is exactly one manager in Major League Baseball with 10 plus years with his current team, and that is Cleveland's Terry Francona. Next after that is Ray's Kevin Cash, who has managed since the 2015 season. So, you know, I will be absolutely happy if Brandon Hyde can be a guy who lasts that long and breaks onto that list. It just really cuts against the historical pattern or particularly the recent historical pattern for baseball managers. It's not a job that generally has 10 years of security. But as we know, the Orioles are into breaking historical patterns lately. They were, quote unquote, supposed to fall back below 83 wins this year as kind of a hangover year after the massive improvement from 21 to 22. And all the Orioles did was keep improving. Now another 15 to 20 games worth, depending on how many more they win over the remaining course of this season. So Maybe over a period of several more years, they can, in fact, do that for Brandon Hyde. And I think if that happens, we are absolutely in for uh, an exciting four to five more years uh, of Orioles baseball. And, you know, with the prospects, like I just said, uh, you know, maybe it feels like it could be done. I don't know. It's um, it would be really fun. And here's a little double mailbag. I did get a response from listener Eric to last episode's question about a trade deadline redo. And Eric brought up pitcher Aaron Civilly, for whom the Rays traded their first base prospect, Kyle Manzardo, currently the number 58 prospect as judged by MLBpipeline.com. I did mention Civilly in previous episodes too, but when I looked at his current stats with the Rays before the prior episode, Civilly is actually up to a 5.36 ERA for the season, and he's averaging fewer than five innings pits per game started for the season. 
There might be some bad luck in there. Uh, Civilly has a strikeout-to-walk ratio of 6.11 in his time with the Rays, and he really has close to the same fielding independent pitching as he did with the Guardians. He's got a 3.35 FIP with the Rays. I believe it was 3.53 with the Rays. And civilly, he's got two more years of team control beyond this, so he's certainly most likely better than the 5.36 ERA he's got with the Rays so far. But as far as this year, I don't know how much um, he would have helped the Orioles' rotation. Better certainly than Jack Flaherty, but I don't know that I would have wanted the Orioles to give up, let's say, Joey Ortiz, who is the MLB Pipeline number 50 prospect, right about in the range of Manzardo. Although, of course, got to keep in mind, we don't know how the Guardians might have uh, valued Ortiz compared to how they ultimately valued Mansardo. We just don't know. But I don't know that I would have wanted Ortiz to be given up for civilly, even with the two years of control, because, again, piggybacking on that averaging fewer than five innings pitch per game started this year, civilly has never thrown more than 124 and one-third innings pitched over a single season. Now, he may pass that if he makes one more start this year um, and goes at least four innings. So, okay, he would pass 124 and a third, but that's still not very many. Um, You know, that's a good prospect to give up for a guy where you've never even seen him throw 150 innings at the big league level. And it's not like he's at ace-level results overall in his career. So I, I don't know. Eric, thank you for writing in also. Aaron Civilly, although I have had a little bit of interest in him in previous episodes, I wasn't feeling him uh, when I had to think about the trade deadline redo. For anyone else, the mailbag email is camdencastpod at gmail.com if you have thoughts or a question you would like me to answer in a future episode of the show. That's all that I've got for today. If you enjoy this show, please subscribe on your favorite platform, leave a rating or review, or tell an Orioles fan you know about the show. New episodes will be out every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning, so I will see you again on Friday, assuming nothing awesome happens between now and then that inspires me to do a little breaking news uh, Orioles podcast. Good Morning Birdland is a Camden Cast production on the Fans First Sports Network. Until next time, Go O's.